Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really thrilled to introduce our guest today. Phil Johnson's first 20 years as a corporate executive began in the semiconductor industry. For the past 21 years, he has been an executive coach, teacher, and mentor dedicated to helping executives and organizations bet on themselves by developing their emotional intelligence. Phil is the founder and CEO of the Master of Business Leadership Program, MBL program alumni are currently living all over the globe, including the U.S., Canada, Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. Phil's mission is to empower individuals and organizations to bet on themselves through the development of their emotional intelligence. And we are really thrilled to have you as a guest on Be Brave at Work today, Phil. Oh, thanks, Ed. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more from you about what you're currently doing and how you are currently interacting in the marketplace. Yeah. Um, For the last 21 years, I've been an executive coach uh, working with uh, individuals and organizations all over the world to help to help them to get better results by developing their, uh, their emotional intelligence. Great. And as an executive coach, of which I am one as well, we oftentimes don't get hired to help people be braver at work, but it seems like we end up spending time there as well. Is that something you experience in working with clients? Yeah, that's a a great comment, and and absolutely. Uh, The one thing that uh, is really the starting point for for the work I do with people is uh, they've got to have an urgent desire for better results than they're currently getting. It's kind of that that creates the motivation for them to do what I refer to as the emotional labor required to get those results. And it's usually motivated by uh, by pain, by fear. So um, to begin the journey, um, because it's in a, the development of emotional intelligence is an experiential journey. It always requires bravery because you can only connect the dots after you've taken the leap of faith. Well, I think when you look at emotional intelligence, there's a connection between that model and bravery because needing high self-awareness, high social awareness, those are two examples of uh, realities that need to exist in order for you to be potentially braver at work. Can you tell us a little bit about 
your uh, relationship with emotional intelligence? You know, why is that such a core component of the work that you do with clients? Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, two, two, uh, two comments. First of all, um, we're facing a tsunami of change that we've got a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. And whenever we leave our comfort zone, it creates a level of anxiety that often leads to drama, chaos, and conflict. And really, we need to be developing our emotional intelligence to enable us to feel the anxiety that changing innovation creates in us and be able to move through it towards the vision of our desired results as opposed to allowing that anxiety to control us. Yeah, absolutely. I think I see that in leaders that I work with frequently and this need to have higher self-awareness and a degree of emotional stability, let's call it. I know that's not what emotional intelligence is, but stability in respect to their interaction with others is, is critical. You said you had two responses. Was there a second perspective oh, that you had? My own per yeah, thanks. My own personal uh, um, motivation is that I was born with dyslexia. And because my brain doesn't work the way most people's brains work, it forced me to do a lot of what I refer to as emotional labor. And that helped me to begin the journey of developing my emotional intelligence uh, from an early age. And what is emotional labor? I don't know if our listeners would know exactly what that is or means. Sure. Very simply, it's, um, as I was saying, there's there's significant both biological and sociological resistance to change. So in order for us to get better results, we have to be willing to leave our comfort zone. And whenever we do that, that triggers um, that biological and sociological resistance. Um, and the journey of moving through that discomfort towards what it is we're trying to achieve is what I refer to as emotional labor. We have to be willing to move through the anxiety that change creates in us um, as opposed to allowing that anxiety to control us, to keep us, keep us stuck in our comfort zones. So what do you do as an executive coach to help people do that? Not everybody knows how to demonstrate emotional labor or navigate through anxiety or fear or work out of their box. I'm just curious, are there some strategies or practices that you've developed over the past X number of years in helping people to face into this and move forward? Yeah, I uh, I have a, uh, a whole program that I've developed uh, where I take people through the process of uh, – of developing their emotional intelligence, um, increasing their level of consciousness about what's going on in them and around them and, and becoming more inspirational leaders. And there's an underlying energy physics to all of this um, that I've been proving over the last 21 years that makes the results as predictable and quantifiable as, as any physical science. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite a process but it always requires the bravery or grit of having a having an emotional connection with a vision of a desired result that's greater than the anxiety that's created um, when we leave our comfort zone and start moving towards that desired result. Well, I love that phrase, an emotional connection uh, connected to a desired result, because oftentimes when people need to be braver at work, 
uh, I know they are typically reacting to what they're experiencing, but oftentimes it may be better to envision a more positive relationship or a more positive outcome. And being brave is one of the steps you might take in order to get there, right? This emotional connection you have with other things. Yeah. Let me just make a couple of quick, uh, brief comments on that. Um, we're only conscious about and I'll relate this to why emotional intelligence is so important. We're only conscious about uh, three to five percent of the time. The rest of the time, we're relying on our unconscious habits to create our behaviors and our results. So that if we want better results than we're currently getting, we we need to develop better habits, and we can do that at any age. It's called brain plasticity or neurogenesis. But it does require us to leave our comfort zone and go through the anxiety, the discomfort of of changing those actions. Um, so if when that happens, there's an old, there's a part of our old lizard brain that's called the amygdala that uh, has been trying to keep us safe and alive for the last 500 million years. Uh, and when it sees us leave our comfort zone, it secretes a hormone into our bloodstream called cortisol. And that causes the executive center of our brain, our prefrontal cortex to shut off and we go into what psychologists refer to as an amygdala hijack. We go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Some people lash out. Some people run away. Some people freeze like a deer in the headlights. And when that happens in conflict situations, people often die. And when it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die. We burn trust. So as an analogy, uh, if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or a big sister to quiet the amygdala response down and better enable us to feel the anxiety that change and innovation creates in us and move through it towards the vision of our desired results. It's a critical part of our development that's missing. Well, I have a couple of questions based on some of the information you just shared, Phil. One is, and I just want to go back to your earlier comment that consciously or we are conscious in respect to what we do three to five percent of our time so in a 40-hour work week or how many ever hours there are in a week uh, you are sharing that consciously what we do is only three to five percent of the time which means 95 to 97 percent of the time we're relying on habits and the way we just do things correct uh, let me give you a couple of examples. Please, and thank the, you. the process of that, whenever we make a conscious decision to take an action, um, after a while, it converts to an unconscious habit, and that's called automaticity. Uh, our unconscious mind is faster, it's stronger, and takes less of our metabolic energy than our conscious mind. If we need, if we had to rely on our conscious mind to survive, we would be dead instantly. Um, think of an analogy. Think of our unconscious mind as a, as an elephant, and our conscious mind as a flea on the back of the elephant. So it's really our unconscious mind that's driving our behaviors and our results. Well, that. You know, that is something I think most of our listeners are going to have to think about and get their head around, right? Because Let me give I you a couple of examples. People... Sorry, I Yeah, please. Apologize. Yeah, no. No, um, go for it, please. That's Thank why you. when you first learned to tie your shoes, it was a horror show. There was so much to remember, and now you just do it automatically. Um, 
it's because it's the same thing with driving a car. If you think about when you first were learning how to drive a car, uh, there was so much to remember, so much to be conscious of. But over time, it's become it's it's become an unconscious habit. You've mastered it. You've become unconsciously competent at tying your shoes and driving a car. So that's the power of habit. That's why, by the way, New Year's resolutions don't work because um, we can have the best of intentions consciously to change our behavior, but our willpower burns up very quickly. It's like sugar. Um, and unless we practice consciously an activity long enough for it to convert through this automaticity process into habit, uh, we have no chance of sustaining those results. Fantastic example. Uh, did you have another? Um, not off the top of my head. Okay. All right. You had said a couple. Uh, but absolutely. I think that, uh, well, first of all, I'm one of those New Year's resolution people. Started a gym every January and by, you know, February 15th, it's over. As is most people, the gym is always packed January 1st and empty by uh, July 15th. Ed, you make a great point. You make a great point. And that's the difference between... Uh, somebody that wants better results but doesn't yet have that emotional connection to the vision of that desired results. They're simply relying on their on their willpower. The people that continue on and keep showing up week after week, month after month, year after year, are the folks that have established that strong emotional connection to the vision of the desired results they're trying to achieve. Let's talk, if we can, for a couple of minutes, Phil, about emotional intelligence as it pertains to bravery. And I'm not a sociologist, and I'm not attempting to ask you a difficult question, but you know, can you think about some of the relationships that might ne be needed or do need between the concepts of emotional intelligence and being brave at work, saying what you need to say or doing what you need to do with a greater degree of comfort? Most organizations are what I refer to as toxic environments. Um, the current level of employee engagement worldwide, according to Gallup, is around 13%. So that's an that's indication. Low. That's very low. It's costing the U.S. economy over a trillion dollars a year. And by the way, there's almost a one-to-one -one correlation between the level of employee engagement and the level of customer engagement. So if your employees don't feel engaged, then neither do your customers. So the toxicity in organizations is largely driven by people in positions of power that are using that power to control and manipulate others. They're not leaders. If you need a title to get people to follow you, you're not a leader. If your behavior doesn't inspire others to want to follow your example, you're not a leader. And unfortunately, many of these so-called leaders within organizations are really just very good at using their position power to control and manipulate others. They are not leaders. And that's, that's feeding into the toxicity of the culture, the toxicity of the environment where the, the employees don't feel safe to take risks. They don't feel safe to leave their comfort zone. And that's really a death sentence for the organization, especially in times of accelerating change. Some, by the way, some scientists estimate change is increasing at an exponential rate. Some scientists estimate that in this century, we will experience the equivalent of roughly 20,000 years worth of change or 200 centuries worth of change. 
So change is increasing at an exponential rate, and the only chance we have at being able to navigate our way through the drama, chaos, and conflict that's going to create is the development of our emotional intelligence. That's why more and more companies like Apple, Google, Southwest Airlines are, are developing, hiring, and promoting largely based on emotional intelligence. Apple's whole hiring process is geared at the search for people with above average levels of emotional intelligence. Uh, they're, they're far less concerned about what you know about their products and services. They can teach you that. But what they're really looking for is emotional intelligence. And so the questions they ask, how they source, and how they talk to candidates are largely based on emotional intelligence perspectives. Exactly. And that's why when you walk into an Apple store, and I'm sure that all of your listeners have, um, the, the energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. They're not trying to sell you anything. They're trying to understand your pain and serve you. Whether you buy anything or not is secondary. They want you to have a great experience. And maybe you'll tell your friends and maybe they'll tell their friends. And that's a pretty good indication of how you can become a trillion-dollar-a-year company. Well, I tell family members all the time that the two Apple stores that I'm aware of locally are always the busiest stores in that strip mall because everybody is in there uh, getting computers fixed, uh, buying products, etc. Another great comment, and I just want to make this point, you're exactly right. Because we've grown up in herds, because we've grown up or we've evolved uh, in society um, over millions of years, it's been important for us to be able to sense whether somebody's trying to hurt us, eat us, or help us. And so we have these specialized brain cells that have evolved in our prefrontal cortex that brain scientists call mirror neurons. And that's how you can, when you walk into a room or you meet somebody, you get a sense of whether they're trying to help you or eat you. And that's the same sense you get when you walk into a when you're dealing with somebody that has an above average level of emotional intelligence, you have a sense that they're trying to help you and not, not take advantage of you. And that creates an attractiveness. That's actually how you become an inspirational leader. Well, I uh, will tell you that every time I've been to an Apple store, I have been helped, not eaten. So uh, they are big, big helpers. Phil, thank you so much for your thoughts and observations today about emotional intelligence and bravery at work. And how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to find out more about the work you're doing and any further thoughts or observations they may have on emotional intelligence or bravery at work? Uh, sure, great. Um, best way to reach me at is through my LinkedIn profile. Um, and uh, on there, uh, I have uh, my calendar. And if they want to reach out and schedule a time for us to get together over a Zoom call, that would be great. Uh, the other thing I would offer is I about two weeks ago, I created a, uh, a newsletter on LinkedIn. We've got about 40, 4,400 subscribers so far. Um, but it's free and um, I publish it every day. So if anybody would like to subscribe to that, I'd, uh, I'd highly recommend it. And does the newsletter have a name, Phil, or how could they find it? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I call it uh, EQ is 400% more valuable than IQ. Okay.
but you can, you right. can you can just, if you just go onto my LinkedIn profile. You can uh, you can subscribe. I've got a link there. You can subscribe through. Okay, great, great. So I hope all of our listeners will take advantage of that opportunity and certainly learn as much as they can about EQ. I completely agree with you, the impact and influence and benefits of having an effective EQ existence is phenomenal. So Phil, thank you again so much for your time today. And it's a a pleasure and thank you for the work you're doing. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.